Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 1, how God assesses problems, has a vision to make man happy and fix the problem, then he says, let there be, and executes a solution. Now, this message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or available on iTunes, again, by searching for our Friendship with God podcast right there on iTunes. You can go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. That's friendshipwithgod.org for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse. That'll come to your email or to your cell phone. You can also go to friendshipwithgod.org. If you have a lost Jewish friend that needs to be reached with the gospel, Tom Cantor has his life story on DVD and in a booklet form. We'll send that to them or send it to you to be able to give to them. It is a free gift from Israel Restoration Ministries and the Friendship with God radio program. Helps to support these gospel gifts going out to lost Jewish people, friends of our listeners of this wonderful radio program, Friendship with God. And you can donate online at friendshipwithgod.org to support this radio program and the gospel going to Jewish people. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or you can call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. And, of course, we have our resource of the month to help encourage you to support this Bible teaching radio program. It's Tom Cantor's book called The Life of Joseph. It's a wonderful book about the past, present, and future of the Jewish people, as well as the life of Joseph and its parallel to the Lord Jesus Christ as the Jewish Messiah. Now, if you'd like to obtain a copy of this resource, it's a $20 or more donation to the Friendship with God radio program, and we'll send this resource to you. 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051, or you can order it online at friendshipwithgod.org with our online bookstore. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis 1 how God assesses problems, has a vision to make man happy and fix the problem. Then he says, let there be, and executes a solution. Moved on. Next one, 21, after he made what? Sea creatures and birds, right? Sea creatures and birds. He said, And he, and he signed it off. It was good. Why? Because he finished making the sea creatures and the birds. Okay, next one. Verse 25, after he made what? The land animals. The land animals. Because, signed it off, because he was finished making the land animals. You see the pattern? So, here's the question. After verses 1 and 2, when God made the earth, why didn't he say that was good? He wasn't done with it yet. He didn't sign it off as being good, because he wasn't done with it. In stark contrast to all the things we've seen it. Why why was he not done? Because of the problems. Because of the problems, the three problems which are stated. It was without form. It didn't have any value. It was void. It was darkness. Now, which of those three problems did God solve right away? Darkness problem. He solved the darkness problem right away by creating the light. And when he created the light, he signed off on the light. He said he saw the light, it was good, but he didn't sign off on the earth because there were two problems that still remained, right? Two problems were not solved yet. He wasn't finished yet. So God, so the heavens and the earth still had no value in God's eyes. They were without order. They, they, they were empty because they were empty. So he didn't sign them off. He wasn't satisfied. Something we've got to learn about God. He wasn't satisfied yet. He was hovering over it. What, uh, what do we learn about God from this statement that he found the earth at this stage to be empty of life? And that was a huge problem. What do we learn about God? God, what? He loves life. He loves life. 
We have a God who loves life. We want to be like God? We must love life. God loves life. We must love life to be like God. His creation is, here's something else, His creation is beautiful. Is there anything that God doesn't? It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. I mean, the vegetation, the seed, everything is beautiful. You know, my friend yesterday, John, he flew from San Diego. His wife is a pilot. And they went over to Sacramento. And as he flew over those um, mountains, the Sierra Madres, and he saw the snow caps on those mountains, he thought to himself, he said, that's really good of God. Because... He put like a water dispenser on the top of those mountains. And then he put a mechanism there so that when you need it the most, the dispenser opens up the most. Ever thought about that? When it gets really hot, what happens to the snow? It melts. And then what happens for as far as the streams and the rivers go? You got a lot of water. You need a lot of water. Plants, animals, us. So I'll just put this arrowhead spring (laughs) cooler on the top of these mountains, and I'll do better than making a thermostat. (laughs) I'll have it built in so when it gets hot, the water comes flowing out. Isn't that beautiful? That's wonderful. The way everything he did was beautiful and wonderful, but he wasn't satisfied. He wasn't satisfied with the beauty of all that. Why? Because he wasn't happy to enjoy it himself. He wasn't happy to enjoy it himself. He wanted someone to share it with. God God wanted someone to shower gifts on. He wanted someone to give these things to. What's that tell us about God? God is a He's a giver. God's a giver. He's not alone. He's not a loner. He's a giver. He's a giver. You know, we're trying to get close to God, right? We want to get so close to God we can smell his breath, you know? Like John, put his head on his head, hear the heartbeat. We're trying to get close to God. So we're trying to look at these things and see what can we learn about God. God is a giver. So finally, after he made man, then what did he say in verse 31? It was very good. And God saw what? Everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. He saw everything. Is the earth and the heavens included in everything God made? Yeah, so finally, poor earth and heavens got their sign-off. They got signed off as being good because now man was on the earth that God had finished. Now God could shower gifts on man. And that teaches, and, and so therefore now it's all very good. It's all very good. That's God. He's a giver. Look at Deuteronomy 6, please. Deuteronomy 6, going along with this, 6, verse 10 and 11. And it shall be, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee. Why does God want to do that? Because God's a giver. Great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not. He wants to give them what they didn't build. (laughs) They didn't work for it. But God says, I'm going to give it to you. And he's and houses full of good things. You know, they could have said, Does all this furniture come with this house? Is this furnished? <laughs> God says, It's furnished. Even food is in there. Everything is in there, fully furnished, which thou fillest not. And wells digged. <laughs> you didn't dig them, which thou diggest not. And uh, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. That's God. 
That's what he loves to do, is to give, give, give. Now, I'll turn to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 18. God owns everything. He, he owns everything. Everything, it says, the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, everything is on it. Okay? He, 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 you can sell land, but you can't sell it away from God. God still owns the land, so get used to it. You may have a 99-year lease, I don't know. You, it's God's. It's all God's. And that's what this is saying in 2 Corinthians 5.18. All things are of God. All things come from God. Who has reconciled us to himself? He made us friends by Jesus Christ, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says, if, this, if that wasn't good enough for us, he says, and now you know what he's done? He's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. We didn't deserve that. We didn't do it. The Lord Jesus Christ did it on the cross. But he said, as, and in the next service, when we go to break bread, we're going to remember that. We're going to think about that, the cross. And at the cross, God wrapped up this wonderful gift, wonderful present of reconciliation. And he not only gave it to us, I don't like this analogy, but I'll say it anyways. He made us Santa Claus. <laughs> he says, now you go around and give this gift. That's it. He says, and, and I'm just going to quote this verse. 1 John 5, 11, this is the record. God has given to us eternal life. This life is in his son. Now, now since we're in 2 Corinthians, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Here, Paul says, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now, why doesn't God want us to give grudgingly? It's like, you know, I don't know if I have to. Oh, man, another message on giving. All right. Uh, if I have, no, God doesn't want that. God doesn't want that. Why does he want us to be this free giver? Cheerful giver. Oh, sure. Why? Because he is. Because that's who God is. Because he is. God is a giver. He wants us to be a giver. God loves to give. He wants us to love to give. What's the greatest gift? What's the unspeakable gift? His son. His son. His son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And thanks be unto God in 2 Corinthians 9.15 for his unspeakable gift. You can't even talk about it. It's so wonderful. He says, now, let's turn back to, uh, to uh, Genesis. That's where we were, wasn't it? All right, All right. <laughs> Genesis. So now, we've seen that he solved the problem of the void. He solved the problem of the no value when man was created, who could be the object of his giving to. Marvelous. And then it, now he goes, he solves the problem of darkness. He proceeds to correct this, and he creates light. He plans, he executes. He assesses, he plans, he executes. He assessed the problem, as we said. And when he saw the problem, he got a vision. God got a vision. He says, he says let there be. Stop. Don't miss that. It's two parts of verse 3. Let there be light. Stop. And there was light. Two separate parts. Let there be light. Separate. And there was light. Don't miss it. That's a huge division there. The certainty of what he says was, was you have assurance of that because he said it. But when he said, let there be, it was like in his mind, he said, oh, I got a great vision. Light. You can see God doing this. 
Oh, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to dispel the darkness. It's going to show the beauty of everything. He's, this is in his mind. Vision. Our God is a God of vision. God is a God of vision or dream, dreams or hopes. That's God. He has a vision for man to be happy, even after he sinned. He has a vision for that. Uh, there's a wonderful passage here, and I'm just going to read it to you. You can write it down. Zechariah 8, 1 through 5. I just want to read this to you. This is God's vision for Israel. And the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I was jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I was jealous for her with great fury. Thus saith the Lord, I am returned unto Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth. He's got a vision for Jerusalem. It's going to be a city of truth. And the mountain of the Lord's host, the holy mountain, thus saith the Lord of hosts, there shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem. God says, I can see it now. This city, this street's going to have, I look down these streets, I see old men and old women, happy, talking in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with a staff in his, in his hand for very old, even though they're hobbling around, he says, it's great. God says, it's wonderful, because they're all together. They're all happy. And then he says this, And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. <laughs> so you think the old people are going to say, Get out of here. <laughs> so, they're going to love it. It's a, it's a, it's a vision of, be- of happiness and beauty. And God said, This is what's going to be. It's not going to be a place of suicide bombers. It's not going to be a place of, of gay pride parades of perverseness. It's going to be a wonderful place. And the old people are going to be respected and they're going to be telling their stories and young people are going to be sitting around listening and saying, that's great. And they're going to be playing in the streets and the old people are going to love the young people and all. That's going to the vision that God has. God has a vision. He wants to make man happy. He says in Jeremiah 29, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. They're thoughts of peace, not of evil to give you an expected end. That's what he says. Isn't that something? Now, Proverbs 29, 18. Proverbs 29, 18. We're talking about vision. Proverbs 29, 18. We're talking about that God is a God of vision. So should we be too? Now, Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no what? Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, what happens to the people? They perish. The people perish with no vision. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. We got to be like God. We got to have a vision. We got to have a dream. We got to have a hope. You know, you find this among cancer patients. When they lose the will to live, they don't live anymore. Because, but, but this is a vision that God wants us to have. He wants us to have this vision for the lost also. That's the privilege that we have also is to hope for others. Now I'm going to tell you. Last Sunday, Russ Plowman, he had this vision for his friend Denny who he's known for 35 years. And Russ had the vision, what? That Denny would come out of darkness into the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would be saved from his sins. Russ had that vision for Denny. So Russ, Russ continually asked Denny, and Denny said, no, no, no. But Russ didn't give up his vision because Russ could see Denny saved because that's the power of hope. That's the power of a dream. That's the power of a vision. He didn't walk around and say, well, you know, okay, you don't want God. Well, all right, you get what you deserve. He didn't do that. 
He continued to hope against obstacles. Russ did. And so, and then, then Denny developed colon cancer, and Russ called him up, and he said, Denny, are you ready now to make peace with Christ? That's the way he put it. Are you ready now to make peace with Christ? And he did. And he went over there, 35 years, and he went over there to Kaiser Hospital last Sunday into the ICU room, ICU room and he brought Denny to the Lord Jesus Christ. He brought him out of darkness so God to take him out of darkness into the light of salvation. And he, he and, and because the vision he never gave up, he could see Denny walking into the gates of heaven and being checked. Oh, yeah, Denny's name right here in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yep, he called on the Lord to be saved. Come in. Full welcome. Full welcome. He could see all that. He could see him being freed from the burden of his sins and, from, and not dying in his sins. That was Russ's vision. And because he had a vision, who didn't perish? Denny. Without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, without Russ's vision, Denny would have perished. But Russ had a vision. And that's what he said. And then it's the second part of that verse in Proverbs says, And happy is he that keepeth the law. And he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Keepeth the law. What law? If keepeth means here. Happy is he that hears the law. What did he hear? Russ heard the law. Go ye therefore into all the world. Teach, teach all nations. Baptizing them. Bring them out. He heard that. He knew that God had commanded that. He knew the Lord Jesus Christ had commanded that. He heard that. And so therefore, Russ is happy. I think he's happy. He looks happy. Was happy last weekend. Why so? Anyway. Now, we're talking about vision. God said, let there be. And then... There was light. Let there be light, and there was light. Now, everything we're reading about in Genesis 1 happened right away. Let there be, there was. Let there be, there was, in the space of six days. You didn't have to wait very long, except for earth and heaven. Had to wait a little bit till it got finished. But within six days, it was all done. It was let there be. But you know what? Could take some time. Could be some time between that first part and that second part. It wasn't in Genesis 1, but there was times when God said, let there be, then there was a little bit of time before the and there was. Can you think of some examples of, of people in the scripture where, where they knew that God had said, let there be, and for them it came, and there will be. Okay, good example, Abraham. Abraham had to exercise that a lot, that particular thing. Gave him the promised land, what else? did it was, it, it, He didn't get it right away. A descendant, a son, promised him a son. That didn't come right away. Well, you're going to have a lot of seashore, sands on the seashore, stars in the sky. That's like the number of your uh, progeny. Really? I don't even have a son. <laughs> and um, Joseph, Joseph, what was the vision? God said, let Joseph be what? Head over all. Let, it, let, let, let the family bow down to him. Let the family bow down to him. He's going to be the ruler. That was the let there be. Just didn't seem that way when he was a prisoner in the stocks down there in Egypt, lowest of the low. But Joseph held on to, and there will be. Because he, he knew God said, let there be. It didn't come yet, but it says, and there will be. Who else? Moses, Moses, Moses. Yes, Moses. He, he, it came into his heart. Right? To save and deliver his own people, the Israelite people. And, and, uh, and he went about it. And so he heard, say, 
let Moses be the deliverer of the Jewish people out of Egypt. Just didn't seem that way when he was on the backside of some, of some desert struggling to find a few blades of something green for his sheep to eat. Didn't seem that way. But who else? David! David! Let David, what? Be king over Israel. Didn't seem that way when he was running around the caves of En Gedi for his life, sleeping in, 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 anyway. Didn't seem that way. Didn't seem that way when the javelin got thrown to him and he almost got nailed to the wall. Didn't seem that way when he feigned to be a madman, letting spittle run all over him on the gates of, of uh, Gath. Didn't seem that way. But he trusted that it would be. Who else? The disciples, right, the disciples. You're going to turn the world upside down and go preach the gospel. And anyway, and also other things that were said to him. You will rule. Just didn't seem that way. Many, many, many places in the scripture. Samson, and let Samson free them from the Philistines. Didn't seem that way with his eyes gouged out as a circus attraction. And, and, uh, and how about uh, Esther, and let Esther deliver the people. Didn't seem that way when she hadn't been called into the king for a year. And let the children of Israel depart out of Egypt. Didn't seem that way when there was a planned uh, final solution to exterminate them and they were slaves down there. And so many examples that we can think of in the scriptures. And so when a person gets the let there be, and there is a delay, and it becomes a there will be, then that person, if he believes God, is doing what? That's faith. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. It didn't take any faith in Genesis 1 because it was a let there be and there was. But when there's a let there be and there will be, that's faith. And we have a very convenient chapter. What is it that lists all these people who who were in that situation? Hebrews 11, go through it sometime and ask yourself the question, what did they hear? Let there be. And what did they have to wait for? And how long did they have to wait? And you get these, you get these one right after the other. Let there be and there will be. Let there be and there will be. And so forth. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. Because that's, that, that, that's putting confidence in God. That's believing, like we said last time, the centurion. Oh, I haven't found such great faith. Because he believed Genesis 1. When we believe Genesis 1, then we'll know what God says, let there be, and we will hold to that even though it becomes, and there will be. There will be. Let there be, God could say this, let there be an escape from the wrath of God. Let there be a perfect sacrifice presented to man. Let there be that sacrifice be my son. Let there be my, all the sins of mankind put on my son. Let there, be the, let there be my sons killed, my son killed for the sins of all the world. Let there be many people from the east and the west to sit down with Abraham. Let there be floods of people coming into the gates of heaven, fully adopted into God's family called sons of God, living forever with eternal life. Used by God on this life also and throughout eternity. Let there be that. And for the most part, for many, in many of those cases, there it's a, and there will be. And there will be. But that's our God. He has a God of vision. He is the God of let there be. And we, like Russ, our job is to also say, let there be this my neighbor become a child of God. And believe God for that. Because he loves that. That's who he is. 
He loves that. And we see that from Genesis 1. Let's pray together. Father, many words this morning. Lord, but one prayer. Make us to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, Tom Cantor is not only our Bible teacher on Friendship with God, but he's also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. Now, Israel Restoration Ministries has launched its 2014 Summer Blitz for the fourth year in a row. The past three summers, IRM has sent out over 370 missionaries in 18 different Jewish cities. And by the grace of God and intense efforts, we've reached millions and millions of lost Jewish people with the gospel. Now, this fourth year of this 12-week campaign has just started... And IRM missionaries are going door-to-door, house-to-house, and street-to-street in Jewish communities. The calls have already been coming in, and decisions have already been made the first day of the campaign to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Israel Restoration Ministries goes to where the Jewish people are, and we go to the most unevangelized people group, the Jewish people, right where they live in Hasidic, Orthodox, Reformed, and even Atheist Jewish communities. Now, we do this because of Romans 1.16 and how it commands us to go to the Jew first with the gospel. So our deep love for their soul and becoming their witness to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, is deep in our heart because they've been lied to by rabbis, and we want to get to them with the gospel and gospel materials that are geared for their Jewish heritage and background. Now, if you'd like to support this campaign to reach God's lost chosen nation of people, his lost brethren and sisters, the Jewish people, help us to reach him by donating at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us directly right now at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. One-time donation or a monthly donation, 800-247-3051. 800 247 3051. Thanks for listening.